ladies and gentlemen. The NFL is back, everybody. Uh, and quite frankly, all I've thought about since the final whistle of the Super Bowl last year was when is the next NFL season kicking off? And it is here, and I am ready. Um, but first, a little housekeeping. Uh, so the website, first and foremost, is back, Simple Sports. Um, it is up and running. We'll be posting content throughout the year, week to week, um, sometimes day to day, depending on how busy it is. Recaps, predictions, fantasy football talk, gambling. Uh, I'll be giving you all of that stuff between here, the podcast, um, the website, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, the website is mysimplesports.com and the Instagram and Twitter are both underscore simple sports. Uh, underscore simple sports for Twitter and Instagram. Again, the website, mysimplesports.com. We are back. We are ready. And we're going to get right down to the nitty gritty because I'm itching for Thursday night to come again. Uh, ultimately, the main event, of course, is NFL Sunday. We had week one. It is in the books. Um, if you follow me at all, you know I've been releasing my power rankings for all 32 teams. Uh, a little bit of analysis as to where they stand and where they may end up. I'll be updating it every four weeks. So week four, eight, 12, and 16, you will get the updated power rankings. I'm not going to do it every week because a lot of things change. Um, I think a big body of work is necessary to make those kinds of decisions. So every four weeks, you'll see the updated power rankings. You can check those on Instagram as well as on the website. Um, so yeah, if you want to read it, uh, read up on your favorite teams or any team in particular. Like I said, it's up there, mysimplesports.com. Just search for it. And uh, yeah, there you go. Um, another thing I'm going to be doing is starting this Thursday. Um, I'm not exactly sure on the schedule, but starting this Thursday for sure, I'll be posting my picks for the week for gambling, um, picking against the spread um, via Instagram and Twitter. I'll probably post them on the website as well, but specifically Instagram and Twitter. Last week, I believe I only missed three games, the Panthers versus the Rams, the Saints versus Texans, and Broncos versus Raiders, so I'm happy. Uh, feel free to use my picks yourself, um, but just keep in mind, by no means am I a professional gambler, uh, but I do pretty well. Uh, same goes for Daily Fantasy. I'll be posting some of those as well. I usually do a ton of different lineups, so what I'll probably do is post like one or two of my favorites for that week, um, and maybe a couple of the showdowns. I do specifically DraftKings, um, so if there's something similar in like FanDuel or whoever else does Daily Fantasy these days, I guess you can use it there as well if it works um, in their in their format. But everything I'll be posting will be specifically through DraftKings, so. Uh, if you're a DraftKings user like myself, then again, feel free to use them for yourselves. Uh, I did pretty well in DraftKings as well last week. I missed out on 500 bucks by literally .01 points, so I was a little upset about that. But overall, uh, did pretty well. So, uh, And then as far as the podcast itself, uh, so it'll go up regularly, regular, regularly starting next week, every Tuesday. Um, where I'll recap the previous week and then the following or the next day on Wednesday, I'll look ahead to the next week. Um, so stay tuned for that. Uh, turn on alerts, especially for Instagram. If you want to stay up to date, I'll be posting on Instagram and on Twitter when I release a new episode of the podcast. So if you want to get some sort of notification, that would be your way 
set up an alert for my tweets or for my Instagram posts. Uh, I'll try to post the picks and things like that within a reasonable time before the game. Uh, obviously, I would like as much information as possible in order to make the best picks. So you can expect them around noon uh, or 1230-ish uh, on Sunday at the latest. The Thursday game, you know, you can expect about the same, about an hour to 30 minutes before the game. Same thing for Monday night. So if you're interested in any of those picks, you can check about an hour, 30 minutes before game time. They'll all be up there. Um, have that at it. Uh, but for today's episode, however, I want to focus on week one. It is in the books, and week two is about to be underway with Thursday Night Football yet again. So I want to give my thoughts on opening day. I won't spend too much time on any one thing, uh, as I kind of want to touch on a few different things. So this will be a shorter episode, so buckle up. So the Titans and Browns started out looking like the same old Titans as we've seen the last few years with the inept offense. Um, and a kind of porous defense, but you know, it turned out to be more of a game plan, opening drive, script sort of thing than it was the tale of the entire day. Um, the Titans proceeded to do exactly what they normally do, which is basically beat you in sub- into submission. Um, they're really obviously physical team, so they ran the ball a lot. Derrick Henry um, defense is excellent, top five defense, no doubt. Um, I thought that going into the season. Obviously, it's only one week, but that certainly, at least for week one, appeared to be the case. They were certainly a top five defense last year. Didn't lose a lot of people. In fact, gained a few. Cameron Wake found the fountain of youth. So, uh, very happy with the defense. I was happy overall. I was happy Mariota played well. Uh, I was happy they scored 40 points. I was happy the defense played well. The offense was exciting, especially in the second half. Um, So, as a fan overall, I was happy. Uh, the first three or four games or so aren't, are, they're important. Um, obviously, they're extremely important, especially with the NFL only playing 16 games. Um, but they're so, they're much more important, at least in my eyes, to building your identity and finding out who you are, and more importantly, finding out who you aren't. Um, and then perhaps the most important thing is coming out of that thing with a decent record. Uh, you don't have to be 4 0. Three and one, I would prefer to, that to be the minimum. Minimum, but uh, you know, two and two will do. It's not the end of the world if you go two and two, five hundred. Uh, you just can't afford to start the season zero and two, zero and three, one and three. Uh, even if you are a good team, climbing out of that kind of a hole when you only play sixteen games is difficult. A quarter of your season is gone, and you're already probably in last place in the division one of the worst teams in in your particular conference. And again, that's by record, but that's what it goes by. And so at that point, you're talking about having to win 10 out of your next, you know, 12 games. That's difficult. Um, That's really difficult for anyone. Uh, So I'm happy that they went 1-0. That's what I wanted them to do, and they did. Uh, I was super impressed with A.J. Brown. Uh, and extremely happy to see Delaney Walker back uh, after his injury last year. That certainly didn't help them last year by any means, so uh, having him back is a huge help. I'm really happy to see him. Again, A.J. Brown was excellent. Corey Davis was kind of MIA, but I don't know if that was Corey Davis or if that was more of a game plan thing. I don't really think that they necessarily need him to be explosive. I certainly would hope so down the road, Um, but, you know, he's kind of whatever. Uh, most of the receivers actually really were just kind of there. Um, A.J. Brown, again, had a big day. 
Delaney Walker had a big day. So uh, I won't talk about them too much just yet because I want to see a whole lot more from everyone, which is kind of why this is going to be a shorter podcast. Um, the, sh- the first couple of weeks are going to be a little bit shorter, or at least the segments are going to be a little bit shorter because I don't want to spend too much time on any one thing and overreact. But again, for week one, I was happy. Moving on. Now, let's talk about the Steelers versus the Patriots. Uh, So, needless to say, this was an embarrassment. Uh, Overall, again, let's not overreact. It is week one, right? A lot of teams didn't have the best showing in week one, and that's usually the case. Some teams look great and then flame out halfway through the season. Some teams look like trash and then turn it on halfway through the season. So, you never really truly know until you get a few weeks in. Um, so we'll talk about the Browns, for example, a little bit later on, um, along with a few other teams who had less than sterile opening days. There's always week one jitters. If you ever played football in any capacity, even down in high school, it, week one, you know, opening day, you, you get a couple of preseason games in, you might get a couple of scrimmages in, uh, so forth and so on. But at the end of the day, there is nothing like the actual game of football. Basketball, you can play pretty high level basketball without killing each other because it's not a contact sport in the way that football is um soccer same way a lot of sports are the same way but football there's something different about it and so there's always going to be some week one jitters that you need to work out a lot of kinks that need to be worked out there's a lot of new coaches uh new personnel and players new playbooks new schemes there's a lot of wrinkles that have to be worked out in week one. So to overreact to what the Patriots did to the Steelers um, would be irresponsible in a way. However, uh, the Steelers weren't very good. Um, now, another thing that contributes to the bad play is there's no preseason for the most part, especially for the ones. Um, so that just adds to the chaos of week one, week two is just getting everyone into football mode. Um, A lot of these guys go straight from practice to the live bullets, and there is no in-between. And so you have to expect some sort of um, sloppiness, at least to a degree, uh, from all of these teams. To be quite honest, there were only a handful of teams that weren't sloppy, um, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that they were playing less than competition. The Giants versus the Cowboys, we'll talk about them in a minute. Um, Cowboys look pretty flawless, but, you know, they're playing the Giants. Same thing for the Ravens and the Dolphins. We'll talk about them in a minute. Uh, So it happens. Um, Everybody in week one thinks that they can win. It's opening day. And so not only are you going to be hyped up to play and get the season going, but everything is going to be chaotic. Uh, That's just the way it is. Weeks one through four are a little bit tilted, I believe, more so to the athletes. Whereas as the season goes on, it's tilted more towards game plan and coaching and film study. Um, I think you can win weeks one, two, three on athleticism, or at least largely on athleticism. But as the season goes on, it tilts towards coaching. It tilts toward game planning. It tilts toward are you in the film room enough? Um, Again, there's a lot of other factors as well, but I think that's the way it it largely works from from a bird's eye view. Uh, the Steelers got their pants pulled down in front of them, in front of all of America on Sunday night. Um, they prepped for that game. You can't tell me that they didn't prepare for that game, regardless of the week one stuff. They prepped for that game. It's the Patriots. It's opening Sunday night. Uh, and 
at least the thought is that they prepped for that game. It certainly didn't look like they did. Um, and it's a team that they can't beat or they can't seem to beat, certainly not when it truly matters. They beat them last year. I believe that was last year. Was that last year? Tom Brady threw that pass. He was trying to throw out of bounds. I think that was last year. Uh, but in the playoffs, no, it's a no-go. Um, you know, so the, the Steelers got a lot of work to do. I've said before that I'm not a, I don't buy the Steelers. They're living on name right now. And I think people are afraid to say that. Like, the Steelers are one of the class, you know, they're one of the cornerstones of the NFL, uh, a classy organization. And they haven't been extremely good. They, they've been a playoff team the last few years, except for last year. But what have they actually done in the playoffs? They're just a good, well-run team. They're a well-run organization. They're not a good football team. And they got worse. They lost Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. You can say what you want about the two people, but they lost them both. And that's production that they have not replaced. And whether they refused to or were unable to, they didn't throw the ball down the field at all. I don't recall seeing Ben throw the ball more than five to seven yards down the field, but maybe three or four times out of the 47 times that he threw it, which that in and of itself I think is a mistake throwing the ball 47 times with anyone, much less Big Ben. Um, Juju either couldn't get open or Big Ben couldn't find him. Uh, I haven't, like, watched the the film, per se. I Just from watching the game, uh, it, whatever the case may be, whether it was the Patriots' coverage, but their defense is spectacular, so it could very well be. Whether Juju just can't get open, which it very well could be. Or whether they just weren't going to him, which it very well could be. Uh, we don't know yet. Uh, the other thing that concerned me is they only ran it 13 times. James Conner, what? Le'Veon Bell, what? I thought he was the replacement. 13 carries? And he didn't have all 13. I think he only had like 10 or so. I don't remember exactly. They had 13 as a team. So... I don't know what's going over that going on over there. Mike Tomlin and the Steelers, they look unprepared. And he said as much in the press conference afterwards. Uh, so the question you have to ask yourself is, is it time to panic in Pittsburgh? Not to me. Uh, but that's because I didn't think they were that good anyway. So moving on. So another team, of course, that we're all excited to watch are the Dallas Cowboys. They played the New York Giants on opening day. Uh, and for half of half of half of a second, I thought that, hey, the Giants look pretty good. Open and drive. They march down. They get a score. Saquon looks amazing again. And then that was it. They did virtually nothing for the rest of the game. Dak was largely unbothered playing quarterback. He was basically playing seven on seven. Zeke was able to get enough touches to get his feet wet without compromising any of the team's game plan. It was crystal clear that the Giants are just wasting what is a precious all-time talent in Saquon Barkley because he has absolutely nothing around him. And then what did they do at the end of the game? They put Daniel Jones in only to get smacked around by the Cowboys defense for a few plays, which made zero sense to me. Um, I don't understand what these teams are doing with these quarterbacks they don't protect them. We just saw Andrew Luck retire. We'll talk about Deshaun Watson in a few. And then the Giants go in. You draft a quarterback who a lot of people think you drafted high. But, hey, whatever. If you believe in him, do your thing. 
you go into the entire preseason, and he pretty much plays all of the preseason. Eli Manning gets a couple of drives in, and that's pretty much it. And then you sit him on the bench, and then when you're getting absolutely smoked by the Dallas Cowboys on opening day, you decide we're going to put him in then? Like, I, I don't get that at all. Yeah, let's let's that's how you break your new quarterback in, your rookie quarterback. You throw him in and let him get manhandled by one of the top defenses in all of football. The Giants are a mess, and I'm done talking about them. As for the Cowboys, though, for what it's worth, Dak Prescott was impressive. Uh, 25 for 32, 405 yards, four touchdowns. Not bad. Uh, in fact, it's great from a numbers standpoint. But Cowboys fans, hold your horses, okay? It was against the Giants. All the Cowboys weapons were available and viable against them. So I'm not budging one inch off my Dak Prescott rock, okay? I'm not. Um, now, Zeke was able to get done exactly what he needed to get done. Uh, which is get into real game action, get some contact, get some touches, uh, and and come out healthy, get ready for next uh, for next week. That's it. It was a perfect day for him in that regard. His numbers are irrelevant. Uh, they'll they'll improve obviously as he gets more touches and more carries as the season goes on, and he works his way back into the swing of things. His numbers will undoubtedly improve. So I, as far as his carries and his yards, I don't care what they were. Uh, didn't even bother to look him up. He got the touches he needed. I think he carried about 14 or 15 times, which is perfect. Uh, so I'm sure next week he'll get maybe 17 or 18, maybe a little bit closer, if not over 20. Uh, maybe not quite 20, but he'll certainly get a little bit closer to 20, probably 16 or 17, somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, but mostly until next week, I'm holding all the opinions on the Cowboys. So moving on. I don't know if you've ever thrown up in your mouth, but it's disgusting. And that's all I could taste watching most of the Cardinals and Lions game was puke. It was gross, especially the first half, the first three quarters. It was disgusting. Then the Lions did what the Lions do, and they stunk up the place. And then, hey, I, I have to admit, Kyler Murray was very impressive. What I think is unique about him is he's actually in control of the offense mostly. Uh, I don't know to what extent he actually calls plays or changes protections and audibles at the line. It seemed like he was doing a lot of it. Um, I don't know how much of it was relayed from the coach and how much of it he was doing on his own. It's kind of hard to tell that, you know, just watching it on TV. But nonetheless, he was doing it at least to some degree. And everyone else is following him. Uh, typically, obviously, coming into the NFL, you're usually the one playing catch-up. You're usually the one learning the offense, trying to see what everyone else is doing, having your hand held throughout the process. And in this case, it's the reverse. In this case, Kyler is running what he knows and giving out instructions to his team. And what really happened to me, it looked like the Cardinals were just trying too hard to be this new offense instead of trying to play football. Um, instead of trying to put on a show and be cute, you don't have the talent for that. Uh, I think it's best to try to protect Kyler Murray and win the football game. And they started to do that in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter. Um, they got away from all of the cute stuff and they started to call plays that made sense versus trying to call plays that, uh, would sort of wow the crowd and, and the people on TV and so forth and so on. So, I was impressed with them. I, 
I was more disgusted with the Lions. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure some of what we saw in the first half with the Cardinals had a lot to do with Kyler Murray's first experience in true game action. Obviously, we saw him in the preseason, but a um, they held out a lot of you know the game plan for obvious reasons. Uh, and B, that was his first taste of the NFL, and it was only at 50%, so to speak. Like, you're going against twos and threes in some cases. Um, obviously, he started the games, uh, so he did get a chance to go against some of the ones, but not all of them, and certainly not for a long time. So it was his first real game action, uh, but he was special down the stretch, and I'm on board for sure to watch for the rest of the season because that thing is special. Whether it's going to be spectacularly good or bad, it's going to be spectacular. So I'm all in. He simply got no help. Uh, he's running behind a poor offensive line. And his weapons on the outside aren't exactly top-notch. I love Larry Fitzgerald, but the rest I can do without, really. Uh, so I'm excited to watch him for the rest of the season. We'll see how it goes. As far as the Lions, you can bet your bottom dollar that Matt Patricia is going to be one of the first head coaches to go this season especially if things don't get put together and soon, quickly. You tie to a rookie, unsuccessful head coach in college, and a rookie undersized quarterback on opening day. You you tie. Even with the complete surprise of their new offensive scheme, their new young quarterback, their new young head coach, even with all of those surprises, there's just no way you should be giving up a 17-3 to lead at halftime against that team. And to be perfectly honest, the Cardinals should have won the game. You disgust me, Detroit. Moving on. Now, anyone that knows me personally knows that I absolutely hate, hate the Clemson Tigers. I hate everything about them. In, in a fanatical way not really but you know as a fan I hate everything about him yet two of the best players in recent history play for the Texans and that's Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins and as I've said before more than just my team really I really love the story of football and watching good players play the game I feel like on the path the Texans are going we won't be watching Deshaun Watson much longer he got the piss beat out of him on opening night against the Saints being sacked already six times and hit another five. And they weren't just, you know, let me push you on the ground type of hits. No, he got rocked a few times. And it's a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's behind a terrible offensive line. A lot of it has to do with the fact that he runs himself into a lot of sacks. Um, but what I think is most criminal is the coaching, because as well as the Texans normally play, on a week-to-week -week basis, and as good as their game plan usually is, they're never just getting smacked around, right? They're always at least in the game. I've never seen a team go down and score to take the lead only to give it right back in the final few seconds more often than the Texans do. Deshaun was spectacular for 95% of that game, and... Quite frankly, they should have won. I picked the Saints to win and cover. They didn't. Uh, and the Saints did still end up winning because they have a quality head coach and quarterback and Drew Brees and Sean Payton. But after the amazing 
amazing. I mean, that last drive by Deshaun Watson was those those last few throws were just it was top notch stuff. And what should have been a game winning drive wasn't because only three plays later, the Saints kicked it through the uprights and sent them packing back to Houston. Three plays. Shame on you, Bill O'Brien. Shame on you. Moving on. So clearly I've never played in the NFL or any professional sport for that matter. Um, And so with that, I hesitate to be super critical of very particular things about athletes. I don't, I won't talk about players money. I'll talk about what I would pay them as a GM, but I'll never tell a player to not get paid because they should absolutely get paid. I'll never tell a player at least I hesitate to say that a certain player or a certain team isn't good because, you know, whatever. Relative to their competition, sure, they're not good. But, hey, sometimes they get offensive. And because I've never been there, I, I try to be careful about the things that I say about professional athletes. Because, hey, they do it, I don't, and it is what it is. The one thing I hesitate to do above all, though, is say that a professional athlete quit. Because it's an insult. Maybe it's maybe the worst one is to say that you quit. You can be really bad. Hell, you can be awful, really. But just don't quit on me. And the Miami Dolphins absolutely quit before they ever took the field. Now, I don't want to take anything from the Ravens because they were special. They were really special. Lamar was special. The defense, everybody on that team was special. And they will continue to be special because they're a class organization who's well-run and extremely well-coached. But the Dolphins flat out did not want to play. You trade away your left tackle. You trade away one of your better weapons offensively. And you trot Ryan Fitzpatrick out there to do what exactly? He's been on 20 different teams for a reason. He's a backup. He's supposed to be a backup. He's simply not good enough to com- to be a starting quarterback. Now, if you were to have a draft of backup quarterbacks, he'd be one of the first taken. I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better backup quarterback than Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, off the top of my head, I really can't think of one. Ryan Tannehill, I would imagine he's not a great starter. I think he'd be a great backup. Um, you know, I have my, my feelings about Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton is the starter. He's certainly better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, you know, but hey, whatever. Um, there's, there's a number of guys who are backups or who should be backups, who would be amazing backups. And if you were to have a draft right now of all the backup quarterbacks in the league, he'd be one of the, the first three picked, Ryan Fitzpatrick. But he would never get picked as a starter. If you had your choice of all 32 quarterbacks that were starting right now and then all 32 of their direct backups, there's no way Ryan Fitzpatrick would go in the top 32. Even if Josh Rosen got picked 32nd, he would go ahead of Ryan Fitzpatrick. But then again, the Dolphins are the same team that went and signed Jay Cutler, so... I guess we shouldn't shouldn't expect better 
I mean, they, they pulled the same idiotic move that the Giants did and sent Josh Rosen out there to get his head beat in some more by the Ravens as if his career already wasn't unfortunate enough as it is when he was drafted by the Cardinals and got his head beat in last year. So, hey, if you're a Dolphins fan, I feel for you. Moving on. The last thing I want to talk about is Jameis Winston. I'll be the first to admit Coming out of college between him and Mariota, I wanted James Winston in a Tennessee Titan uniform and not Marcus Mariota. Needless to say, I totally have won aided on that. Um, look, I don't know the guy personally. Seems like a nice enough guy, I suppose. Seems a little off his rocker, but hey. I think if you play in the NFL, you got to be a little bit off your rocker. So, But on the field, he is not dependable. And quite frankly, off the field, he hasn't been dependable I mean, he's been dependable as of late, but his entire career is a little a little sketchy. On the field, he looks absolutely lost at quarterback. Uh, the Bucks as a franchise look lost, and they're being led by a lost quarterback. So what do you think that's going to get you? You got the blind leading the blind. It's time to move on. He is forever tied to Marcus Mariota. It's because they were in the same draft class, and he has his own doubters as well, including me at times. But, man, at least Mariota has the opportunity to move forward and be a franchise quarterback. At least he's a dependable guy, both on and off the field. At least his concerns are about his health and a little about his talent. There's some things from a talent perspective he could be better at. But 99% of the concerns about Mariota are his health. I, I, I actually think he's a really talented quarterback. He's super accurate at times. There are sometimes he makes some throws where I'm like, man, that's that's an incredible throw. He obviously can run. And he makes solid decisions. He's certainly within the game plan. Jameis is just lost out there, man. It, it's got to be over for Jameis at this point. He threw three interceptions on opening day against the 49ers. Who look, the 49ers are a lot better than they were, but by no means are they the world beaters. And he should have had at least four, maybe five. I know one got dropped early, and another one got dropped later on in the game. If he was playing a better team, he probably would have thrown. Well, he wouldn't have had a chance to throw four or five because they probably would have yanked it. But it, it's incredible. Look, you don't have to throw for 5,000 yards to be a great quarterback. You don't need 40 touchdowns or, you know, some excellent QBR or whatever other stat you want to throw out there. You don't need it. It's obviously nice, but you don't need it. What you can't do are two things. That's make poor decisions and turn the football over. I don't know if you saw the intentional grounding on the very first play of the fourth quarter. They're in the red zone. And he sails it out of the back of the end zone with no one around. It looked like, again, I don't remember exactly. I haven't rewatched the game, but it looked like it was just a one-player route uh, or one-receiver route off a of play action. I would imagine the secondary option is to throw it away which is fine but you don't intentionally ground it. you have to be aware enough of what you're doing to not get an intentional grounding in the red zone and he just sails it out of the back of the end zone ultimately that drive ended in what should have been another pick six um certainly at least an interception and then the last pick he threw should have been thrown away and instead, he just lobs it into the teeth of the defense for uh, another pick six. Tampa Bay, it, it's time to move on.
it is time to move on. And so I will. So that will do it for this first episode. Um, we'll have something coming to you all again on... I'll try to do something a little bit different. Uh, maybe on Saturday, I'll try to squeeze in a few more topics before the Sunday's games. Um, and then, like I said, next week, or starting next week, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, you'll get a pod. Uh, Tuesday will be the recap. Wednesday will be the preview for the following week. And like I said, we'll talk about some gambling and some fantasy stuff as well. I just wanted to kind of puke out my initial thoughts on week one. Uh, So let me know what you guys think. Comment, share, all that good stuff. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace. (laughs) Peace.